These are things you get to understand. It's a beautiful machine with waters, levels, pumps. You need to stand above it, not in it. And you need to say, what effect does that have? And then go look for your chart setup. Find yourself a tight stop with expansive, geometrically generated reward. Are you ready to transform your life? This is a no-nonsense show helping immigrants like you create generational wealth, even while working full-time. Get ready to take notes. Here's your host, Socket Jane. My great to us listeners, if you want to manage real estate, maybe you're ready for a lifestyle change. By selling your real estate, of course, you may have to pay substantial cap and gain taxes. One option that may help solve this is to learn about doing a 1031 tax deferred real estate exchange. Because you may be able to defer all of the capital gain taxes, and you could even exchange into a replacement property that may allow you to get rid of all of the headaches involved with being an active landlord. Ray Dewitt is a managing director with Bangtanger Financial Services, and his goal is to help you understand all the rules associated with the 1031 exchanges. To learn more, visit their website at bangtangerfinancial.com and browse the library of education material. Please be sure to see the disclosures and show notes. Welcome back, my great to wealth listeners. Today, we're going to be talking to a guest who's pretty non-traditional for us. His name is Francis Hunt. Francis is the originator of the Hunt Volatility Funnel Trading Methodology, a lot of good words there, but essentially he's a teacher. He's a technical analyst, has a YouTube channel, The Market Sniper, and a lot of other good things. But really where the focus was not in his title for the show for me, it was really more around, hey, can somebody, can we bring somebody on the show who understand technical analysis, who understands directional vectors, of where we believe the market's going to go so we can build some positions of either longs or shorts, right? And that's important. And you know my position as uh, you as a listener know my position on the paper trades. I'm not a big fan of myself, but that does not mean there is not a lot of insight into it on how you're doing the trading. Now, I'm not going to say to anyone do the trading or not do the trading, but I want to make sure I can give you a lens of how to watch this show, which is going to be more around how can you take these technical signals and what's happening in the economy to interpret, to build your thesis around whatever asset class you're in. If you're in stocks, great. If you're on paper assets, great. If you're in commodities, good. If you're in non-traditional assets, even better. Wherever you are, there will be signals that the trends are going to give you. So that's the angle. Put your biases aside. If you're a lover of a stock market, you don't like option trading or whatever, keep those biases aside. We're not going to be talking about option trading. We're going to be talking about how to find signals that gives us a trigger of what to do with our asset class and build our thesis around it. With that, Francis, welcome to the show, buddy. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on. Awesome. Francis, I know you're stationed yourself in Panama, correct? Correct. Yes. Awesome. Well, thank you again for dialing in. This has been great. So Francis, we always start our show with helping us understand when you hear the term migrate to wealth, what did that mean to you? And has that changed since the time we got connected to now you're on the show? It does, actually. I mean, I suppose what you'd call a white migrant. I was born in Southern Africa. I left South Africa at a point where things were looking a little bit precarious. I went to the UK. So I have my own migrant history. And I've typically found that, as you probably found, people that made the effort to uproot from what they considered their home to move somewhere else 
are particularly motivated and tend to do probably better than the aggregates that surrounds them. So that was, I suppose, the obvious translation of it. A more esoteric take, which gets a little bit closer into what I've done and why people should care to listen potentially to this particular podcast, is that I see a duality in the world of what gets spoken of and what actually is being done. And I'm seeing a greater divergence, in fact, in terms of real truth and narrative. And when you talk about migrate to wealth, what I've learned and one of the key attributes that I have, and I suppose if you ask, what's your special skill? You know, they always ask, what's your superpower? What's your special skill? My special skill is actually in chart reading. And Mm. I'm here to give your guys an insight as to why that particular skill can indeed be very, very useful. Because when you have real markets, what people say and what they do and express in the markets have quite a big difference. And as I've repeated, that divergence is getting bigger in my opinion. So by following the footsteps in the sand, you are following the money. How many times have you heard somebody say, where's the truth? Just follow the money. Well, the best way to do that is charts. In so there's a certain number of ways that particular chart formations occur that tend to lead to higher probability of possible future outcomes. When you get a certain structure or a setup, so many, many people might have heard of a head and shoulders. So it's probably the first pattern that is learned. You might be looking at a cyclical reversal. That is one very simple adage of an example of where it might not be a good time to wade into stocks. It might not be a good time to wade into your favorite equities or to tech or any high risk on environments if there is to be that head and shoulder reversal. Of course, you also get reversals on the downside. Mm -hmm. So that's an example. What have we done with our skill set that makes us worth listening to? So prior to the events of March 2020, during the entire 2019, the second half from August, we were warning that there was a likelihood that you were going to have a single digit number trade on oil. And that hadn't happened in 35 years. And that came from a technical prowess. In short, I wasn't narrative driven. I couldn't tell you how or why that would happen. I said, The headlines will explain it later, the news before the news, but we are seeing this. And ironically, there's a big carnival, is a big liner company that does, you know, the pensioners go for their cruise to the Caribbean from Britain. They use a brand like P&O, et cetera. We were very short carnival as well. So we were sellers of different things. And we're saying something's coming that's going to see a liner company who's one of its biggest costs is oil and oil, but crash. We can't tell you why. And so we were short pipelines and a lot of things. And that led eventually to what then became the event that obviously having lots of elderly people where there's a transmissible virus inside a very short, small space tin can Mm -hmm. on the ocean, probably not a great idea. And we got massive outlier gains out of that. That was all done technically. Most people are narrative traders. They want the fundamentals. So they get the story, oh, okay, this has happened, America's slowing, the interest rates have gone up, the stock market is eventually going to sell off now because the market's been pricing in cuts. But eventually, as is shown historically, normally once you start cutting, the market actually starts crashing because that's the confirmation of real problems. And it's only when they bottom, you know, when the, the cuts stop, do you normally typically bottom. And that's when the quantitative easing and all the other economic techniques come out. So people want fundamental narrative. We take the, the same train and we look at it from the other side. We say the pattern is suggesting this. I don't know what will cause that, but we will get the news before the news if our analysis is correct. Another key point I just want to make on this, why this is interesting and people should contemplate it. We aren't sitting on nine screens, day trading, 15-minute ticks, 
Many of your audience, from what I understand, are professional people, are time poor, but income rich. Mm -hmm. These are things you can do on big time frames and make decisions for five, 10 years and just stand yeah. by them that don't require active minute by minute, day by day adjustment and various other things. So I want to separate in macro investing using technical charts from day trader guy who's wired and sitting 14 hours a day, clicking yeah. and responding to every little blip of news. I understand that many people are not going to be able to play in that particular mm -hmm. category. So look for opportunities where you get real compression in volatility. So charts can be volatile and then they go very quiet and they soften. When they get exceptionally quiet, that's usually a precursor to a news-based event. An example, for instance, would be Directors on, and insiders are not allowed to trade their shares just before earnings announcements. Mm -hmm. This often leads both to the shareholding register and obviously to the big whales that are often insiders with options and equities going very, very quiet. Now, you can get a very tight risk, in other words, a stop loss where you accept you're wrong. So let's say you assume up, but it goes down where you pay a dollar's loss. But in the positive outcome, you can get an explosive move. So volatility is interesting. It dissipates slowly, but when it comes back, it explodes. Mm. So there's an asymmetry to that. And what that allows is extreme reward to mm. very tight risk. Now, the problem most traders make is that they're always in when there's a natural everyday volatility market yeah. bouncing around. You want to get to that moment. And this is why we're the market sniper. I'm not a gun freak and I'm certainly very anti-war. But the key value is, and I learned this as my history in Africa, is we used to go to the Kruger National Park. Interesting narrative for you, totally off trading. And you would sit in the car and you'd drive around this landmass as big as whales and look for animals in the heat of the day. And occasionally you'd spot something and you'd get a queue of cars and you'd stop and there'd be a leopard's tail twitching in a tree half a kilometer away and you'd need binoculars to look. And that's how most people invest and trade. Then there was the small percentage of bird watchers. These guys got up middle of the night. They literally were up at four in the morning. They got sandwiches. They did packed lunch for these people. And they got into their cars as sunup was occurring. They went to water holes. They got out their cars and there were places where you could sit in hides and they sat still and did nothing and they watched. So they went to the right places under the right circumstances with the right tools. And then they said the opportunities are always there. We just have to sit tight. And suddenly you saw all forms of game, not just birds. You would see leopards doing kills around the watering hole. You would catch things that none of the people that were driving around with their air cons on in the heat of the day would do. And this is my analogy for people in investing markets. Go to the places of high probability and be accurate. Snipers had a kill rate for every round of 1.3 for every shot fired. This is a statistic. The average infantryman in World War II fired 250,000 rounds for every one that served its purpose. Wow. And in Vietnam, with automatic weapons, that went up to 400,000 rounds. Which one do you want to be? The infantryman grunt who is pumping lead and having a random shotgun approach in the jungle? Or are you going to be patient, shoot rarely, but be very certain when you do it? And when you shoot, you're shooting with a high-powered rifle that whatever you hit gets taken off. Now, again, forgive the war and the shooting analogy. I'm not looking to take anybody's head off here. But this is a precisionist, paramedic or brain surgeon. 
there's a big difference in the reward, even though they both have great skill sets. Mm -hmm. So this is the setting, and I've spoken for a while, so I want to hand back to you. But those are where we are at, and if that captures your imagination and you want to hear more, then you're in the right place. Francis, I love that conversation, right? So I think there's so much, so much to unpack. I think one of the key things there is that most of us are news traders, right? Kind of like we're not tracking what's going to happen. We're reacting because something has already happened. What you're saying, if I'm hearing you correctly, is technical charts, if read properly, gives you a probabilistic approach of what is going to be the possibility of a likely event to happen. It doesn't guarantee it, which is a very important aspect because you used the word probability, which I really loved. It's someone would say that, hey, I'm a technical analyst, but most of my guesses are wrong. It's because it's probability, right? So there's uh, probability by definition does not mean certainty. So there's a high likelihood and you want to trade on things that have a higher probability of success or whatever your thesis are, because all of us are acting on our thesis. To develop those theses, you need a few things. You need to figure out where the puck is going to go rather than where the puck is today, right? To do that, you need tools. If you're basing on the news cycle, you're already too late because most of the news is reactionary. There's no proactiveness in the news. So you need to figure out tools of how to be proactive And these charts are one of several ways that can enable you with that analysis. Is that a correct interpretation, Francis? Absolutely. And I actually, on the mention, people are momentum chasers. So I say, don't be a, you know, dogs chase moving cars. Don't be a dog. And then when the car stops, they're vexed and they don't know what to do. They chase a mark. If you watch under nines or under fives playing soccer, they're like ants all running after the ball. There's no one standing out on the wing. It's clearly clear. And then one person looks up and sends a wide ball to the wing and he has open space to run on goal. So this is the case of your Gretzky quote about skate to where the puck will be, not where it Mm -hmm. is. This is absolutely how we approach it. In fact, the most boring market is the most interesting market to us. Because once it goes hyper boring, it means there's low engagement, low volume, and usually very low volatility. That is usually a precursor. So, you know, Stephen Covey wrote some great books and he said, begin with the end in mind. So I went, where is the safest time for me to be engaged in the market where I'll make money? And it was always when the market moved immediately from my entry, violently away from my stop loss. Mm-hmm. So when does that happen? So I said, what are the conditions before a violent move that typically occur? And I observed looking backwards, reverse integrating everything, that it's very low volatility. So you get the news before the news. I'll give you a cranky example of exactly this trading. There was an equity in called Merseyside Docks and Harbors. You might know Merseyside is actually Liverpool mm-hmm. way in the UK. And I joined a group because I saw a technically interesting pattern. And every single person in that group knew way more about that equity than me. I knew absolutely nothing apart from its name and its stocker signal. And I had a setup and I said, I just put a one liner. I like this. I think it's going to go to here. We have geometry dictated by the market's participants. Remember, as they overreact in one way, they underreact by a similar Mm -hmm. degree. So there is a natural geometry. It's the same as watching birds flying in the sky that are, you know, in a flock, right. silhouette to the left and to the right. It's the same as watching a shark in a sardine. There's a natural tunnel around the shark, but they don't coordinate that individually. It just happens by the crowd. 
the witness of the crowd. That is an example of a pattern. The safety distance that a sardine is prepared to accept from a marauding shark as it swims through a shoal, that is the pattern. And as the shark turns and moves, the tunnel is forming around it. It is this beautiful, beautiful nature. It's Fibonacci, it's a lot of other things like that. Anyway, on the Merseyside docks and harbors, I had my setup, I put my entry on, I was triggered in, I said I'm long, most of the other people saying, no, I don't think you should be buyer right now, in fact, I'm thinking of shorting. I just mentioned what I was doing, they all knew who the CEO was, what the bad news was, what everything was coming out. All of a sudden, the person, separate organization came out and said, we are about to purchase this, and we're looking, and the market's opinion was a fair purchase price would be this. So it was an M&A circum situation. Mm -hmm. And this happens often. I call it the forensic detective methodology because I get bounced into M&A or events before the event has occurred. It made, it smashed its way straight up to my target and there was a gap. So all these professionals who knew of this equity, who knew way more about it, couldn't enter anymore. And it made it straight to my target and I was now already out. Then what happened is they went into a negotiation stage. It hung around at my target level, but started to drift. The whole thing fell apart and it collapsed well below where it was before. So essentially I made mm. about an 81 risk reward trade on a merger and acquisition that never occurred. And wow. everybody else there lost money, but knew way more about the numbers, the turnover, the carriers, yeah. the containers, who the CEO was and the CFO. And that is the difference between a fundamental situation and a, listen, it was almost ignorance was bliss for me. This is a technical, it's met my criteria at a technical level. I carry a silver coin in my bag normally just to show people real money. But what I would have done is shown it to you and said, it's the same coin, just the other side. So technical and fundamental information. When you do a technical assessment, fundamentals are the drivers. The fundamental news was the driver. I just got the heads up earlier because right. I was looking for a certain set of criteria. And the minute the criteria is met, I trade it. So many people are market silo. I trade stocks. You'll find an FX guy. I trade the old lady, pound, dollar only. I get to know it. They try bond to something like it's their sister, their friend. They once made money on it. They create emotional attachments. I have no silos. I will go from that UK equity to trading a US listed commodity on NYMEX oil down to single digits. Then I will be in XRP just yeah. before the judge ruling came out and I make 70% on uh, that in a day. Now I'm not suggesting I win all the time by that, but I'm just highlighting that I look for conditions and criteria. I don't look by market. I yeah. look for conditions. If there's a technical chart and it is delivering the conditions, I will be as happy with a crypto. Now that's difficult for some people because then you need an account that can do US equities. You need something that is more broad. So you have to have a couple of platforms and they all have to have some degree of funding in it. But that allows me to move from all over the world. And this gives you the macro technical view on the world. You want a position like you are a global hedge fund manager and you're the treasury department for Apple. Where do you put your money? You've got all this cash coming in. So if you're trading Forex, who's got the bigger outlook for interest rates to go up? Yeah. We've actually had a period of Euro strength against the dollar and the dollar slipped a little bit. We were on that. And I'm not a fan of the Euro as a currency. This is just relative periods and spells. So you can see, whoops, the rates aren't getting as tightened as fast anymore. There's a repricing of what will happen. The dollar comes off. 
its major liquidity pair, opposite number, the seesaw, the euro goes up. Boom, you're on it. I actually chose Swiss francs instead, did just as well. These are things you get to understand. It's a beautiful machine with waters, levels, pumps, mm -hmm. and cisterns, and you need to stand above it, not in it. And you need to say, what effect does that have? And then go look for your chart setup, find yourself a tight stop with an expansive, geometrically generated reward. And that's how you do it. And you can afford to be wrong 60 or 70% of the time because you take a loss one unit at a time. And when you make profits, we are typically trading seven, eight, 10 multiple digits of R's to the upside. So when I say R's, risk yeah. reward ratio, one unit is one R. If you're trading eight reward, that is an eight R return. Sure. Now, well, Francis, let's take a little bit broader perspective. So there's a lot of data that we have and the analysis that we have and these charts are available for equities market, right? And even for Forex. Now, what happens if you want to take the similar information? Let's say I want to build a thesis of what's going to happen to the interest rates or what's going to happen to the housing market. Can I apply the technical analysis on these asset classes and these different macro environments? A hundred percent you can. In fact, I stand ready, if you permission me on share screen, to take you to the U.S. interest rate charts and show you setups that we have already drawn and what I expect on balance of probabilities still to occur. So we may not be able to share the screen here, Francis, because there's going to be a lot of people listening audio. So can you describe the chart and we'll make sure the chart gets included in the show notes so that people okay, can look at it? Okay, I can do a screenshot and send it to you in retrospect Perfect, to add to your recording, if you like. But essentially, we are looking, we have exactly what I've described. We have a number of technical setups on the US 30-year, on the US tenure. So we don't just look at one interest rate, we look at them all because you should get confirmation across the category. And we see rates going higher. But first, there's a pullback. We just made an interim target. We had payroll numbers come out Friday last week. We just made an interim target on that and you're getting a little bit of a pullback on interest rates. What does that mean? The dollar gets a little bit softer, but my, our suspicion is you're gonna go up to 4.75 on the 30 year. And we actually think we're going to hit five close. You're going to go up to the point of five on the 10 year in the medium long so term time frame. So that's not tomorrow. That's not next week, but over the course of six weeks, possibly to six months mm -hmm. in that period. And I think well within the six month period. So there's going to be a further push up in interest rates. So you need to think. What is that going to do for my stock market situation? And is it going to be because the economy is strong? And I'm here to say to you, overall, no, because we have charts that have also shown us is the economy strong. Yeah. And I shared these on our Twitter feed, our palladium chart. Palladium is a precious industrial mm -hmm. metal. And every time it's turned down, it gets used in catalytic converters, for example, which is exhaust parts of modern cars as one of its biggest commercial uses. Every time it turns down your the rates and the rate and the level that it is turned down now, you are in a recession, literally for the last 30 years. So you are recessionary. So why would rates go up in a recessionary environment? Because debt is in trouble. There's yeah. too much of it and it needs to devalue. It's like grains on the sand of the beach. I can bring you buckets of it every morning and dump it on your doorstep. You're going to say, hey, I don't want this. I'm not giving you any money for that. Take it away. There's too much debt. Yeah. And what you might have noticed on the US, so now I'm talking fundamentally, is that you went from 89 billion a month ago to almost 300 billion in a single yeah. month in trade deficit. So that means 
my apologies, in funding deficit. That means your spending, your income has dropped in tax take, but your costs, especially interest rate charges on your debt, which is going up, has gone up substantially. Where does the money come for that shortfall? They create new money. They borrow new money into existence. This is absolutely Ponzi-nomics. So what actually happens is the currency needs to devalue and the debt needs to devalue. And they take turns, those pressure valves, to release this ever-building pressure in this canister that is unsustainable, which is growing in pressure. And you have to keep releasing it, otherwise this thing explodes. That's your reset. The bad news is my assessment is it explodes anyway. However, to extend and pretend a little longer, you've got to keep releasing. So what actually happens is we may have a spike in interest rates. People should be very concerned that are on debt, especially if they don't have fixed rate deals. Francis, repeat that last phrase one more time. Sure. So anyone listening to this program right now, if you have debt on an, a property or a premises, you're a dentist, et cetera, et cetera, and it is on a variable rate particularly, although, as I say, banks can, if it gets extreme circumstances, even potentially weasel out of fixed terms, but you will be in deep, deep trouble because the possibility of an interest rate spike, which is the devaluation of that debt, is mm-hmm. very high. As an outlier event, if it goes from being 0.01 to being 5%, it's still not necessarily a certainty at 5%, yeah. but it's got 100 or 200 times more likely. So this is what I'm warning. And you're talking to the guy that said single-digit oil when you hadn't done that in 35 yeah. years. That's an extreme event to do that, but it happened. So interest rate spikes are going to be a problem. And that's going to so bring a lot of currency volatility. Francis, let's go back to that. I know a lot of people are going to be interested in what's happening in the debt markets, what's happening in the capital markets in general. So when we look at that, from when you look at the charts, what's one chart you're looking at that tells you a lot of insight? Are you looking at the CPI? You're looking at the unemployment index? You're looking at the interest rate, the debt? What are you looking at to build these theses? I know you're looking at multiple charts, but if you had to pick one chart, what would be the most powerful chart? Yeah, it's hard to bring it down just to one. But when you're talking about the debt, I look at the 30 and the 10-year yield. But I will also add... And when you say 30 and 10-year, you're looking at 10-year treasuries yield, debt, right? Treasury, US treasury debt. So first of all, the biggest nation in the world, the biggest economy. So a couple of principles. What happens there happens for the world to a larger degree. The whole Wall yeah. Street sneezes yeah. the rest of the world catches flu. Now that is diminishing, but it's still valid. So what happens is their debt markets are the most important in terms of global health. So Mm -hmm. I'm not talking this because I'm American-centric and I'm sitting in Panama now. You know, I'm a South African who's lived in the UK. I care for the whole world, not just the US, but it is the dominant player. So I talk about God markets. The God market of fiat is the dollar. The God market of the debt system is going to be the 30 years and 10 years on the long end. And then you've got to look at the short end. And this brings me to the third chart that I do. And it's an inversion. It's a great pity we can't share because what I do is I do the difference between the 30 year and the one and two years to the 30 year. And this Mm -hmm. is known as the yield inversion. And you right now, to all the people in the States, immigrants, etc., this might be new for you talking about debt markets. Everybody understands an equity, buying a share in Apple. People don't understand debt. Money is borrowed into existence. New mm-hmm. dollars to pay for overspending is borrowed into existence. So you have a liability and an asset. 
If you hold a bar of gold, there's no liability with that. You paid for it, you own it. There's no T-bill accounting applied. In the debt markets, there is. So what happens is they need new money and they're creating ever more borrowing. But because the higher interest rates are seeing interest payments go up, they need to borrow more because they're spending more on their interest right. payments. It has now surpassed the, the military industrial complex defense budget, which is 10 times most of the rest of the world as well, by the way, with a big slush fund, I suspect, attached to the back of it. But anyway, we won't get into the weeds there. So the whole concept conceptually is there is too much debt. You need to prepare for debt failure. If you have a pension that is invested in bonds, you are in trouble. Debt instruments should be evacuated. Interest spot rate spikes should be expected, and you should pay all lending off wherever possible for your safety in reset times. I think the last statement was very, very powerful. Let's repeat that one more time, Francis, because I think you're making a prediction, and I want to make sure people don't have to rewind it. Can you repeat that one more time? A hundred percent. Debt is high probability to fail in value to zero. And many people go, oh, that's great. That means my credit card balance gets removed or my mortgage payment isn't going to be paid. Not at all. What happens is you're potentially going to have an interest rate spike, an out of control, disorderly rate spike, which is going to make payments for you nigh impossible to do. It may reach levels cannot afford regardless. And you can be a high net worth individual. But if you've got a couple of million on loan and you get a 20% spike like Falker era or 14 or 15% spike, you can forget about, you can quadruple what you're paying today. Is that problem predominantly on the debts that are not fixed interest rates? Because if it's a fixed interest rate, I'm assuming you have a little bit of coverage. You're a little bit protected. But if you have coverage for a while until such time as those corporations are going bust because of that and they've done Mm. too much fixed then they pass the problem to you and they claim force majeure or some other legalese or they are given some out to renege on their terms so there's Mm. a lot of promises that are made that aren't really golden when you need them most another example would be the bank deposit guarantee if one or two small banks go bust They will pass the cost on to the general taxpayer, print up money and make them whole and sell the skin and the remnants of the last bit of value to JP Morgan at a 30% discount. Sure. If the entire financial system goes bust, it's game over. There's no one who can underwrite that. There's no one big enough. The government is too indebted. Your cash in your bank, you need to look at Mm -hmm. as in a dangerous place. What you need is a new mental framing for the reset era. What used to carry you during the bull go-go years, mentality-wise, buy the damn dip on bonds, buy the damn dip on equities, is going to transition. You've been trained for 40 years and you've been trained badly. You were trained and you're now optimizing for an era that has gone. The debt market turned after the events of March 2020 with the extremist lowest rate increase that took the whole world being switched off to achieve there is nothing bigger you can do now there's too much of it about and it goes the other way your 40-year bull market in the debt markets is over and that means disorderly you aren't going to get a 40-year slow unwind what happens is like all things in markets you take the escalator up and you take the elevator down 
And yeah. you don't want to be caught in that because it's going to catch you by surprise, especially if you're talking, you know, there's guys that are going to be surgeons in your community, dentists, etc. You aren't going to be the first to know the news when you have Lehman Mark II, etc., etc. So my warning is you preempt that. Everything about our trading methodology is forward-looking. You have to live now like you should be with the knowledge six months and a year from now. Yeah. You have to see what is coming and be there already. If you understand this conceptually, you understand the concept of pre-pair. That means you are paired for the pre-event well before the event. That means mm -hmm. today because it could be tomorrow. And most people are not prepared. My God, Francis, this was a lot of good information, but a lot of, lot, a lot of thinking that has gone behind it. I want to be careful in not making this episode too technical because there's so much information, Rich. I think what I'm going to end up doing is I'm going to probably end up calling you back, Francis, because what I want to do is I want to give people time to digest this information. What I would love to do is maybe work with you on the site to release some of the resources that you have so people can digest it. And then we'll bring you back as sort of a sequel so that people are a little bit more intelligent about the topics we're talking about. Does that make sense to you? Would that be it's okay? Absolutely. I have people that's needed to watch certain content three or four times to grab it. I encourage them to do it. There's no shame in making sure you absorb. Yeah. I'll happily come back three more times. We can do it once every two months or once a month even for three months. I really want the message to get through because I am messianic about this. I don't care if I earn out of this or not. I'm trying to save people from an inevitability of event. I feel like Noah with his ark. People need to understand conceptually yeah. that he prepared for a future event. He had prior knowledge. I am trying to impart prior knowledge so that people can begin that process of preparation. As an immigrant who's worked hard, who's toiled, who's left your home country, you could lose everything. The game is a rig. How do you position that mm -hmm. you transition? So I'll give you a final analogy before we sign off. You've got an old rickety iron horse railway. The railway track's getting a bit jittery and flexing a little bit. And yeah. there's this brand new, even though you're not aware of it, I am a little bit more monorail system built alongside it. It's taking you to the same stations, the same everything, but it's partially obscured behind the trees and everything. How do you golden arch all your assets from the old system into the new system without it being crashed and lost when they break the old system. Because when they want to force you into the new system, after a period of parallel running, which is already happening, they will break the old. And that there's more reasons for it to break than I care to mention in any one interview. It's ready to go. So the point is, how ready are you that you yeah. don't get set to zero and you climb onto the new monorail system with not a penny in your pocket? My goal is to take your hard work and effort that you've built through all the hard work on the old train and arch it over so that you carry the bulk of it over. And banks, debt are a problem. And you need to think hard about this. Digitization yeah. is a problem. You need physical assets. And we can cover more of this in uh, future episodes. We'll probably do that. I think we'll bring you on and you and I can figure that out offline to try and see what we can do, maybe build a series out of it. Because I see the topics that we just covered, we're just scratching the surface right now. And there's so much deeper and so much insights left in there now. Francis, if people were to look into some of the resources that you have or you recommend, what would they be? So in terms of engaging with us and just checking us out, if decide if you like us, the Market Sniper YouTube channel, 
is where I do technical assessments talking about the markets. The crypto sniper is where I discuss the new world money system that I see them implementing. And there are big profit building opportunities within that as well, despite people's maybe misgivings and this exchange went bang and all of that. There is real opportunity. That's how you can engage to follow and watch us. I'm also on financial Twitter in under those two monikers again, at the market sniper and at the crypto sniper. And if you just want to have a chat with our team straight out, go to themarketsniper.com. Awesome. Well, Francis, I'll have to bring you on again, man. And we'll again talk about it. Maybe do a webinar where we can do screen shares on my Facebook group. Let's have some offline conversation. But thank you again, Francis. We do end up usually with two questions. I think it's still relevant sure. here. The first question, Francis, is going to be, given the amount of volatility you have seen in your life, in your career, especially moving around, bouncing from different places, different places, if you were to distill your life's learning, your life's insight into one insight that you want to share with your 20-year-old self, what would that be? We live in exceptional times. You've been chosen to see this cycle through. And there is a whole new system. The book is closing and a new one is opening. Mm. Most people are existing inside a set parentheses. We are in a broken parentheses and we are going to be on the other side. This is your great journey. You've been chosen because you have the skills, the stomach for the dark side of it all and to see the opportunity that actually is offered by this reset. And to think like yeah. the big insiders think and to wealth build. It is a polarizing event that is going to take many of the middle class down into the serfdom area and the smartest of the middle class up into wealth of generational quality. You get to decide you were chosen to do this obstacle course. Can you execute? That is the big goal. That is what I've prepared for my whole life. You are going to see it happen and it's not far away. And I aim to help people get through that obstacle course as part of our community and as a team. That's great. Next question, buddy. And I think they're all related to each other now, now that I understand more of what you're speaking about. Where do you feel that humanity as a whole is going to migrate in the next few decades? We're going to see a humbling of the West greatly. Uh, the what I call the Commonwealth Northern America axis. There's going to be a stark reduction in wealth per populace there. And there will be an improvement in the eastern and the great south area. We're going to see migration of wealth from the one zone to the next zone. There's going to be capital formation around the Middle East and Singapore. And you want to position with the trend. You can choose to swim upstream or downstream. And if you're smart with wealth building, you get way more bang for your buck if you go with the flow of the macro mm -hmm. money. So we are very, very geared towards that as a primary wave. Surf with the wave, not against it. Francis, on that note, buddy, thank you again for taking the time. This was very insightful. I learned quite a lot. I learned how to look at the world from a technical perspective. I'm not a technical analyst to begin with, but this was actually very, very helpful. Thank you again for coming on the show and sharing your insights. As we said, we'll bring you on for sure again, but in a way that's more methodical and more thoughtful, maybe doing a webinar and stuff. So the audience, thank you again for listening and staying with us. If you stay till the end, I'm sure your head's hurting. Don't let it hurt too much because we're going to bring Francis back where you can have more Q&A and stuff and there'll be live engagement. And I'm thinking the Facebook live group is probably going to be the best path forward for that. If you have not signed up for our Facebook group so far, please make sure that you sign up using the link in the show notes below. 
we'll make sure we keep you posted on when Francis is coming back again. Francis, with that note, thank you, buddy. Absolute pleasure. Delighted to help. And I look forward to the next visit. Same here. Take care. If you got value from this episode, you might consider sharing this content with a friend. But most importantly, be sure to take action on what you've learned. One way you can take the next step is to connect directly with Socket on an investor call. That link is waiting for you in the show notes below. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Please consult your own advisors when making any investment decisions. Keep listening. We'll see you on the next episode.